All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we're going to be today. Uh, so last week I was asked to speak at a conference in Pawhuska called the, you know, a conference about building to conquer was the idea on how, how Christians are supposed to think about the types of lives that we can live that don't just survive in the world, but, but conquer in it, that, that do well, that thrive. And, and they wanted me to talk about education and, and uh, well, they knew I'd pastored for a long time. They knew I'd, I'd taught in, in government schools and in universities and that uh, we'd homeschooled our kids and are homeschooling our kids and that education is something I like to talk about, started a Christian academy, all those sorts of things. And so I was, I was working on this, this message for that group that was specifically on, uh, on I think, uh, schooling, education, and stuff like that, sort of the building blocks. But as I was working through the material in Deuteronomy 6 and, and as I delivered it, I thought, man, so much of this is a question that is being asked right now by everybody, not just people in school, but but by Christians in general. Because in society, uh, we, people are beginning to, to shuck off sort of the government school model more and more and question the government just in general uh, well, because of its poor quality, because of its anti-God uh, curriculum, the general... Uh, society of the local school. Remember when socialization was a problem and now it's now socialization is a problem. Uh, we don't want them to be socialized. Uh, and so Christians are asking, wanting, they're wanting to know uh, sometimes for the first time, wait, what does the Bible say is actually my responsibility in educating my children? And so with education being such a, a hot topic and one that, that Christians have have grown up in a society. We've been raised in an American society, as, as blessed as it is, we've grown up in a society where, where we never asked about education. We, we, you never asked a question about, you know, what should I do with my uh, kids? Uh, sort of, we're just told, you know, you put your kids on this conveyor belt of education earlier and earlier. And so Christians have never asked about education uh, for our children, at least few few times. Most of the uh, most of us did not do that, and and now people are asking, but not just asking about school. They're asking about how do we learn in general? How are Christians supposed to educate not just their children, but how do we educate the next generation of believer, right? How do Christians think about education? How do we grow in knowledge? Not just in a not just in a curricular school setting, but how do we as a church teach the next generation of believers? And so I think it's a, it's a, it's a very important topic that the church must deal with. What is our responsibility to the next generation? What should we be doing? Uh, what should we be leaving uh, them and again, what we'll see is that education is not just a school issue, which is what it's become. It's just become a question of, do you homeschool or do you not homeschool? Do you private school or not? That's not what education, education in scripture is about the next generation, be they children or be they adults. Uh, what do you do in teaching the next generation of God's people? What is an education that is Christian? And we're going to see that uh, a Christian education that education in the Bible is Christian living, uh, and it is uh, for winning. And so what sort of truths do we see from Scripture on how to educate and how to educate with a goal on winning, a goal on conquering? Now, again, I will say, I cannot say 
everything that can be said on education in the Bible. I'm not going to tell you everything the Bible talks about when it talks about teaching. Uh, all that I have commanded, right? It's education is part tied up with the Great Commission. The Lord is telling us to educate the next generation of believers. When it says to teach them all that I've commanded, that's what it's doing. It's saying educate the next generation of believers. So I, I can't talk about everything that the Bible says about education, but I can talk about what Deuteronomy 6 says. Uh, and so that's where we're going to be today. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 6. We're going to exposit that passage. We're going to look at what that teaches us. And we're going to see why, of all passages, I would think that is a, is a good place to start. Uh, what does the Bible expect you to know and you to do when it comes to educating the next generation, be they the next generation that are your children or be they the next generation, maybe you've got new believers in your church that didn't come from Christian homes, they're adults, they're new in the faith that way. What is our responsibility as Christians to educate the next generation of uh, believers? Now, I want to say, first off, before I get into, I'm, so I'm going to look at some building blocks. What I'm not going to talk about, the assumption I'm going to have in this is that we've all got the cornerstone of Christ in place. Because I could spend just a whole sermon talking about, well, you got to be Christian. Uh, we could spend a whole thing talking about Christ as the cornerstone. And we need to understand, if you're going to build anything, if you're going to build anything that lasts, you have to build on top of that. You're building on the cornerstone of Christ, who he is, what he's done. I'm assuming that that's what you're wanting to do. That you're wanting to build faithfully. You're not, you're not wanting to build with wood, hay, and stubble right? You're wanting to build an education that lasts. You don't want to, to educate the next generation with the, the lasting cultural equivalent of a trailer park education here. What you're wanting is you're wanting to build castles. You're wanting to build cathedrals. You're wanting to build things for glory and for beauty. How does the Bible tell you to do that? And so that's my goal today. That's what, that's what I want to do. I want to take education. We're going to see the Bible is going to take education out of the schoolhouse alone, show that education is about the life of the believer. Uh, we're going to lay some foundational truths to any education. Uh, and then we're going to redirect the aim of education as a whole. We're going to say, what should you be aiming at when it comes to education? And so uh, Deuteronomy 6 is where we're going to be. Let's stand there as we read the text. Because I think I picked Deuteronomy 6 uh, for several reasons. One, it's got a lot of stones. It's got a lot of stones in place. You know, if you're figuring out uh, where, uh, how to build something, go to the place that has a lot of instructions about it. And you got a lot of good stones to lay here. Good stones to, to be the start of, of an edifice. So beginning in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you're going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So, so coming from this seminal text in, in the life of Israel here, they're, they're leaving Egypt, they're leaving the wilderness behind. We get here a call from Moses on what to do uh, it, going in as this next generation is moving in uh, in the kingdom and central For what Israel must do is the question of teaching the next generation. God comes to Moses and says, I want you to teach them. I want you to educate this next generation. The old generation is dying off, right? I need you to teach this new generation that's going into the promised land. And so here we get sort of these guidelines, both in what God is telling Moses to do, but also in Moses' description of education as he educates them and as he instructs the next generation about how to educate the generation after them. Uh, And so what sort of truths do we get from God when he talks about what must they know and what must they teach the coming generations and why must they teach these things? What are the foundation stones to put in place for a robust Christian education? An education, again, doesn't just survive, but, but thrives. That doesn't just endure, but conquers. And so since no one builds without first considering the cost and no one starts with the cool stuff, you know, you don't start, you don't build the, the cathedral uh, uh, starting with the cross at the top, right? You build from the bottom. Uh, you don't start out with the cool stained glass. Uh, if you've ever priced stained glass, you go, you just never do stained glass. Uh, you, don't, you don't do that. Uh, you start with the foundation stones. Uh, you start with the things that everything else has to be built on. And that's what I'm wanting to do because uh, whether, again, whether you're a, a parent who's educating the next generation in your home or we as a church have new believers that come here that need to be educated, they don't have parents that are going to educate them in the things of the Lord, what responsibilities do we have and what sort of education should we expect to be giving each other in God's word? If we're going to train up the next generation, if we as a generation are growing, the next generation is growing, what sort of things must we do for our church to be educating the generation to come? The first thing I want us to see is a Christian education is holy, holy. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, completely holy. But holy, the completely holy doesn't sound as cool as holy, holy. Uh, it is completely holy. From beginning to end, the desire of a Christian education is holiness. And, and it's whole holiness. Christian education is training the whole man for a holy life. Christian education is desiring to train the whole of a person to live a holy life. And this is part of and, and possibly the fundamental problem we have with education. Because again, with just the government school model that we've got in place, we have reduced in our minds education to primarily what happens to someone between the ages of 6 and 18. That's education. And so if I were, it probably happened. When I said today we're going to talk about education, some of you might have gone, I don't even have kids in school. 
Uh, and so that's, that, that shows you the problem is that we have so been molded by the model, as bad as it might be, to think that when someone says education, we're thinking from six, well, although now it's getting earlier and earlier and earlier. You had pre-K, now you got pre-pre-K, and now, you know, pre-pre-pre-K, and eventually you have in utero K, uh, where a teacher comes and just talks to your baby in the womb. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's kind of the idea we've got when it comes to education, but education is not about those things. Education is not about school. Now, school can certainly be a part of education, but it is, it is, it is not, the, it's not the majority of education, and certainly not the whole of education when you're looking at educating in the Bible. Uh, education, so what is education? Where did the word education come from? You know, I love etymologies. You know, I think words matter and where words came from matter. And all you got to do is compare old dictionaries with new dictionaries to see that all they have to do is change a dictionary and you can change the definition of something. Uh, and 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 so it, it, we want to go back to where words came from. The word education actually came from the Latin. It, it just means to lead out. Uh, ex ducere. Uh, to, to, to lead out, ex being the out, so ex ducere became ed ducere, uh, to lead someone out, a, a leading out, the idea being uh, the things you need to lead someone out of the home were to lead them out in where they should go. Lead me. You're, you're leading these people. That's what education is, to lead someone out. It wasn't until actually until the late 1500s that education, so it began in the Latin, so you're talking uh, early, uh, or late BCs, uh, but it wasn't until the 1500s that that word education even became attached to schooling at all. Uh, so it's in, in terms of in, in time, the use of education to think. And so now you've seen it's more so much that now education is almost totally th- thought of as something that happens in, in the school. Uh, and, and so when I say what is an uh, education that conquers, I'm, I'm not saying what is the best type of school or the best curriculum, you know, uh, which is where our minds will typically go. But how do you train the next generation to be ready to go out? How do you lead them out? And by next generation, generation again, I mean both children uh, of believers and newly converted adults. I mean, it's just basically the modern equivalent of Jewish children raised in the covenant uh, and Gentile converts. Is, is kind of the, if you're wanting to have a, a, a juxtaposition there, a symmetry. And so what is that sort of education in the scripture? When we're talking about education, we're talking about what people need to know. If we're going to lead people out, what do you lead them with? Uh, again, it is primarily and most naturally the education of children, especially your own children, we'll see in scripture, uh, but it's also necessary to educate those who have joined the faith later in life uh, or who just still have things to learn. And that's what we find in Deuteronomy 6. What does Moses say at the beginning of Deuteronomy 6? We're going to see that this education is meant to be for their whole life to make them a holy people. That this is about Moses giving them what they need as he leads them out, as he is about to not be able to lead them in the flesh. So what does he need to give them for when he is no longer with them? And so what does Moses say? Look at verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are 
going. Moses is being to teach, again, not not children. He's teaching a generation of grown men what they must know so that they can do in the land. So so how do we educate those who are young in the faith, either either because they are young or because they are new? In the case of the nation of Israel, you you have an entirely new nation being given an entirely new law that they're being taught. So how did God instruct Moses to do that? What education could he give them so that they could go and conquer this wicked land that God was leading his kingdom into? What could he do so that they would know the words of God and be able to do them? So that they could be a holy people when they enter the holy land. But education is something that is holy, holy. It's for the whole of man uh, to live a holy life. So how do we do that? What sort of, what are the foundation stones for this? How do we educate that new generation, even, even maybe ourselves, in such a way that we can take light to the darkness? So let's look at some foundation stones for this holy education. Look in verses 1 through 3. The first thing we'll see is that a holy education is about obedience, not just knowledge. Verses 1 through 3. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So again, a holy education is about obedience, not just knowledge. It's about what you do, not just what you know. So often, education has been moved into the realm of knowing. And that's where it stops. Uh, we'll take, for example, at school. When, when you do testing at school, the tests are all, well, they're all multiple choice, right? Because you got to make it easier and easier for kids to pass the test. Uh, so they're all, it's multiple choice. How, when's the last time that any education said, all right, if we really want to know, if you know this, we don't want you to just be able to answer a question. We want to see you do it, right? Or we want to see you, okay, so you think this about this historical reality, well, let's get in a debate about it. Uh, you know, let's, let's put the rubber to the road. Again, we, we have so moved education to something that is purely mental, and if we think that, then we'll think that Christian education or growing as a Christian is about just what you know. We'll think that, how do you educate a new believer? Oh, just give them a bunch of stuff. Just teach them, just teach them as much theology or give them as, as many verses or, or whatever. Just, just you got to get stuff in their heads, you got to get stuff in their heads. And we think it's all about the mental education. So education becomes just purely theoretical. It's just about obtaining or memorizing facts. And it isn't geared toward how do you live. But a holy education that we see here in Deuteronomy 6, a holy education is an education that is given so that we might do what we are taught. It is a intentionally lived education. What did Moses say? Now, this is a commandment that I am commanded to teach you that you may do 
them. These commandments are being taught so that the people might do them. The whole purpose of our head knowledge of God's word is so that people might obey what they are taught. And we try, we try and capture we, this is We try and capture this every week in our liturgy. We try and do it. That's why when we say, and all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We, it's not all that the Lord has spoken, we will remember, right? We'll know it. All that the Lord has spoken, we will know. All that the Lord has spoken, we will memorize. It's not that. It's all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. But again, we didn't make up that phrase. It was a common response of the people of God to the reading of the commands of God. We saw how the people often responded to the reading of God with that phrase. Why? Because they knew the instruction that they just heard was not for them to just know, but for them to do. That education was for doing, not just knowing. We see this as well in Deuteronomy 29, 29. Great passage when you want to talk about things you don't know about. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And normally that's where we stop, right? Uh, if it's a confusing, it's a confusing theological passage, something I don't, well, secret things belong to God. And I go, I don't think that's a secret thing because I'm giving you verses from the Bible. Uh, I don't think it's a secret thing. I think you want to make it a secret thing just because you don't understand it. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Why? That we may do all the words of the law. So the things that God tells us, God's education of his people, his leading out of us, him taking us in, leading us in this dark world to be a light in the midst of the darkness. God's own leading out is given to us for what? Not just for our knowledge. We're not a bunch of Gnostics who just know and how we live doesn't matter. But it's given to us for our obedience. That means anything not secret is meant to be lived. And notice, they are ours. They belong to us. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the Lord makes a point of saying, but the things that have been revealed to you, they belong to you. They belong to you and to your kids Forever. Why? For what purpose? Why does God give them to us? Why do his commandments belong to us? He says so that we might do them. And so that we might do all of them. Not just the easy ones, not just the ones we grew up doing, but all of the words of his law. God's word becomes our possession so that it might become our practice. We own God's word so that we might obey God's word. And if God's word becomes your possession, but never your practice, you know a lot of it. If we were to do a a, a Bible version of Trivial Pursuit, you would fill up that pie so fast uh, with all that. You'd know geography stuff even. We'd get to names, Hebrew names even, and you'd be like, I know what that Hebrew name is. Like Like you have knowledge out, Uh, of your wazit, right? You just know it all. But if you're not doing, then you have not actually been educated. Because God says he gives it to us. He gives us so that we might possess it in order that we might practice it. 
God gives his word to us, the very, the very ownership of it. Own it. But if you're going to own it, then you better do it. And so a Christian, a Christian education, a holy education, if we're going to have this uh, whole of man live a holy life, you've got to understand God educates people not just for knowledge, but for obedience. And so when we educate the next generation, that has to be our goal. Our goal is to educate them to obey. Our goal is to give them these things so that they might do them. I had a talk with someone the other day, and they were like, well, I don't want to force my kids to do anything. And I said, well, then you're a fool. Because he's like, because I've seen people that force their kids to do whatever, and they push back. And I was like, Bible's got to answer that. Stone them. Uh, you know, uh, but the, the answer is not just don't ask your kids to do anything. Just sort of sit back and see what happens. The Bible never tells you to take that approach. The Bible says you tell them what to do. You tell them about me so that they will do it. Doing is the goal. Not just knowing, but doing. If they're knowing but not doing, the education is not over. And we've got to make that clear when we educate. That I'm teaching you these things because of how I want you to live. And if, we, if the education we're given, we're going, I don't even know how to apply that to life. That's probably a problem. If you're educated, you got all these topics and subjects and you're going, okay, now they've got to live it. And you go, well, how do they even live that? Then you go, well, then why are you even educating them that? If education is all supposed to be about how you live and you've got all these other subjects that you're spending time teaching them and all these other things you're focusing on and you don't even know how they're supposed to do it, what makes them think they're going to know how to do it? And if, it's, if you can't figure out how they're going to do it, if you can't figure out how it leads them out, then that's probably one of the least important things for you to teach them, not the most. And certainly not supposed to be all of our education. The stuff even the teachers don't know how to apply. Well, what do I do with this? I don't know, but I'm supposed to teach it to you. Why? That might be learning, but it's not education. Because Christian education, holy education, is meant to be something that we teach them so that they might do. True education is something that is actionable. A holy education is one that ends in obedience, not just knowledge. And if obedience is not our goal, if it's not what we set out for, then we'll stop short and we'll think that they've learned something. We'll think that we've taught them something and be very proud of what they know. Like we'll talk about how they did really well on all their test scores. We'll talk about how high homeschool kids score on all the standardized tests. And we'd only do that, otherwise, we'd only do that because we think that the learning is the goal. We do the same thing with grades. Like when people come up and ask me about what grade are they in and I'm like, I don't know. I don't follow your silly system. Uh, and I'm like, ha ha. You know, like I feel like I've been set free from it. Uh, but but if, if at the same time, we don't think that the purpose is not about getting certain grades on tests, but about living, we've got we've to orient our education toward that pri- primarily. True education, again, is actionable. It asks, what do I do with this? And it makes clear to the person learning, this must be known so that it can be done in some way. And that, that, that's an easy question. As a teacher, that's an easy question to ask yourself. Like, what do they do with this? Even if it's just to marvel at God. Even if it's just to be amazed at who God is. That's a doing of something. Even if it's just like if you're teaching math and, and you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, how do you, okay, go and do Two plus two equals four. And you're like, I got to maybe take it to the grocery store. Uh, How do you make that sense? But you talk about a God who has created an ordered world that makes sense. 
where two plus two always equals four, never equals five. Why? Because God and his law is created the world in a way that is, that is true and right and good all, ever and always. That, that it does not change because he does not change and he makes sure it does not change. But what we teach has to be something that we plan on people doing something with that. A holy education is, is about obedience, not just knowledge. When Moses was teaching the people, he said over and over, I'm giving you all of this so that you may do it. So a holy education is about obedience, not just knowledge. The second thing that we see from Moses is a holy education is built to conquer. Look at what he says. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it. Do this as you're going over to take over that land. And how are they going to possess it? By going to war with the current inhabitants of that dark world. And what they know is going to be essential both in their fight against the enemy and in their life in a post-war world, in their life in the land. And so you're going to get in Deuteronomy 7, in the the very next chapter, and I would read Deuteronomy 6 and 7 together, but Deuteronomy 7, look at Deuteronomy 7, the start of it. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering to take possession of it, and clears away the nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you, and you defeat them, so the Lord's clearing them out, but Israel's still fighting them, and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. There is a militant mindset in a Christian education. It educates for war. There is a purpose, a goal, an intention behind education. And everything always points toward that goal. There's a mindset that drives it. And and we actually see this expectation. And even the direction in the description of education later in Deuteronomy 6. Look at verse 7. In Deuteronomy 6. Because he's going to get he's going to get into this in just a little bit. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as hand as sign on your hand. You shall uh, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, on your gates. Now, because we're reading this in the English, we might read that, that phrase there and not see the militant mindset in that passage there. But the, when you're looking at it at verse 7, there's no word teach there. We inject that. There's no, there's no Hebrew word teach. There's not actually a, a word there at all. We inject the word teach. The only word there is the word that the ESV translates as diligently. And you shall, you shall diligently them to your children. But the word there for diligently is, is a word that means more than just to be diligent. The word there for diligently is a word that's translated other places in the Bible as repetition, but not just any repetition. It's the word that you use for sharpening a weapon. That's why some translations will translate it as wet or sharpen. 
You could translate, translate it, you will wet them for your children. You, the idea being, if anyone's ever sharpened a blade, you will do this thing over and over and over and over with the purpose of sharpening. Why? Because you're going over to possess this place. So when you're going over to possess it, you sharpen this stuff. You over and over and over with the intention of sharpening what you're teaching them. Too many parents are satisfied with sharp kids instead of sharpened kids. Give me a kid who is faithfully obeying the Lord in his life over one who has high test scores but is morally obtuse. But holy education is not just repetition. Look, I love catechism. I love catechesis. I love it. Every kid at the foundry hates it. Uh, No, they they love it. They love it. Uh, Because we are memorizing, and we're memorizing deep theological truths, and we're going over them over and over. We actually have like two different catechisms that we're teaching. Over and over and over. Why do we do that? Because if I'm going to educate them, I have to sharpen them. And if I'm not sharpening them, then their parents are wasting their money and their children's time. But if I'm going to educate, it's going to be to make them sharp. It's going to be to educate them for war because that's what education is in the scriptures. It is not just a knowing, but a doing, and it's a doing with the purpose of war. You're educating them to make them sharp, but sharp minds come from a pointed education. A conquering education does not just happen by chance. And it doesn't happen just because you, you, you simply clicked on the right cu- curriculum material or you figured out the right method. And so now my kids will be educated and, and they'll be ready because I figured it out, you know, this sort of thing. It, it, it has a goal and it is pointed toward that goal and it sharpens the kids or the next generation, whomever they might be, again, for that purpose. Why was it so important that we saw there in Deuteronomy 7 that they show no mercy to the inhabitants of the land? Was this because this is the Old Testament God before Jesus calmed him down, right? No, it's because as we saw with deliverance from evil, these people, I mean those without Christ, they're not a neutral party in this war. They are evil ones who serve the evil one. And so God's people have to be offensively minded because their enemy certainly is. If if any education is happening, every education is pointed toward a goal. If anybody's educating your children, they're sharpening your children for something. The question should be what? What? Either they're sharpening them towards something or they're not educating them. If they're not educating them, why are they there? But everybody educates. And we see that the enemy of God's people are also sharpening people for war. They'll sharpen the next generation for war. And they'll sharpen your next generation if you don't. We see that. We see that the enemy uh, wants to do a pointed education. They want to educate your children. Look at what we, where we read in Deuteronomy 7. Go back there. Why do you have to show no mercy to them? Why? Go down. We read to verse 2. Go down to verse 3. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. 
Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you. He would destroy you. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall break down their altars, dash in pieces their pillars, chop down their ashram, and burn their carved images with fire. He actually brings this up later in Deuteronomy 20. Same thing. You can be even a little bit more clear in Deuteronomy 20. Deuteronomy 20, 17 and 18. You shall devote them to complete destruction. The Hittites, Samurites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, as the Lord has commanded you. Why? That they may not teach you to do according to all the abominable practices that they have done for their gods. Do you see the flip of Deuteronomy 6? The, the, the lost world knows to educate you to do. The lost world is educating your, your children and the next generation, they'll educate them to do. They're not just educating them. No one is ever just educating them. The evil one does not just give his evil ones who happen to be teaching the next generation of anyone to just do something banal or neutral. There's always an education and it's always for war. There's always a sharpening in education. Someone is sharpening the next generation. And if we're not sharpening them, the enemy certainly is. Just because we put flowers at the end of our rifles like a bunch of Christian hippies doesn't mean the devil's going to do that. There is no neutral education. The enemy, he says, you've got to destroy them. Why? Because they want to teach you to do what they do for their gods. Deuteronomy 6, you learn it so that you teach. I'm going to teach this you so that you may do for your God. Deuteronomy 20, you kill them, you destroy them because they want to teach you to do for their gods what they did. And what are the abominable practices they want to teach them? Well, when you look at Deuteronomy and you look at Leviticus, he's explained, he's told us the abominable practices. So Deuteronomy 20, when it says the abominable practices, he doesn't give us a list. Well, why does he not give us a list? Because Leviticus and Deuteronomy have already told us the abominable practices. He gives us chapters where described. You want to see the chapters that describe the abominable practices of the Canaanites, Hittites, and all those people. Deuteronomy 18 and look at Leviticus 26. Deuteronomy 18 is going to tell you the abominable practices of the, the, the Canaanites, what they're going to want to teach the next generation. I've got to teach you to go and do this because they're going to want to teach you. So I've got to teach you. What were the practices in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 18? Child sacrifice. They'll teach you to offer up your children. Blood sacrifice of human beings. And drug-induced witchcraft. You're Deuteronomy 18, what is it? It is, it is offering up your children. It is blood, shedding the blood of God's image bearers, and it is drug-induced witchcraft. You go to Leviticus, you go to Leviticus 26, what are the abominable practices he says they're going to want you to do? It's all sexual perversions. All the sexual perversions that you can imagine, uh, well, you don't have to imagine anymore because they're all, they're all still going on. Guess what, right? I mean, people get so freaked out about our cultural cesspool, but it's nothing new. What are they teaching today? Blood, sex, and drugs. It's the, sa- it's the same thing that, he j- that, that Deuteronomy has just explained to us is the abominable practices that the Canaanites wanted them to do. Blood, sex, and drugs. It's the same playbook. The world hasn't changed their curriculum. They just changed the binding. What our culture teaches is not something new. It's what was taught in Canaan. The enemy's playbook hasn't changed. They just realized that we've quit fighting. And they didn't. They've continued to sharpen. And we look and we go, well, what, what happened? They sharpened and you let them. They sharpened for the war that God has told you they would sharpen them for from the beginning and you just let them. Our goal is when it comes to the next generation, 
Our goal is not to turn our children into arrows. That is not our goal. Because our children are arrows. Our goal is just not to blunt them, but instead to sharpen them. And it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to understand that the next generation of believers are arrows to go out into this world, not just shields. Because if we don't understand that, then when someone becomes a Christian, we'll spend all our time trying to teach them how to be a shield and how to stand against the dark world. It's really bad out there, and we've got to teach you to be a shield. We've got to get you ready to be a shield. When they're not shields, they're arrows. And what they are will influence how you shape them. And an education is a shaping. It is a molding for a purpose. And it's supposed to be an offensive purpose for God's people. So how you shape the next generation will influence how they think they're supposed to be used. If all you do is educate the next generation with the purpose of not losing, right? You just try to turn them into really good shields. Then they will think that they're made to be shields. And guess what they're going to train their kids to do? To be shields. And they won't even be good at it. This is, this, is why, this, is why the next, this is why when we've trained the next generation to be shields, it doesn't work very well. And you know why it'll never be successful? Because arrows make horrible shields. And so we, God says, I've given you arrows, and we say, well, can I turn it into a shield? Can I use it? I can imagine, imagine a, a war where the enemy is shooting arrows at them, and they're like, ah, the arrows are coming. And instead of picking a, you know, they go, well, here, let me take my arrows out and block them with arrows. Arrows make horrible shields. And so what happens is the next generation becomes discontent. They become discontent because they're not doing what they were made to do. They'll be inundated because the enemy is going to press forward. Because all we're doing is, is, is trying to defend. And they'll be ineffective. Because all they are is trans arrows whose parents have made them dress up as shields. Because their Christian culture told them that that was the loving thing to do and that we lose down here and that our goal is just to hold on as long as we can and we wonder why our churches are so full of broken arrows. A conquering education is an offensive (laughs) education, a militant mindset set on waging war for the next generation by waging war with the next generation. I'm laughing because I'm not even halfway through where I thought I was going to be. That's your fault, okay? That's your fault. Um, So let's talk about uses of those first two things. What do we do with with just those first two things? Uh, If if this is what education is and how God describes education, and again, When I say that, really make sure you're doing the effort to not just think about schooling, that you're thinking about anything that the church does or you do in in growing any Christian, be they children uh, in your home that are growing up uh, under the covenant there, or you are uh, reaching out to, you got new believers who have joined up to the faith. How do we teach them, the next generation, whoever they are? You must educate for life, not just the mind. You must see education as something that is about serving the whole of a person's life to be a holy life. The whole person to live a holy life. That has to, we have to redefine education that way. 
And if you're looking at education and, 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 you're, you're, and it's hard for you to grasp the whole of life or a, to live a holy life, we've got to make sure when we think education in any realm, we understand that any education is meant to lead to uh, the, the whole person, not just the mind. It is, it is about the whole of a person's life being holy, not just about what they know. Which leads us to the second thing we've got to do that we saw is that if we are educated and we're going to educate, then we must do what we know. We must do what we know. We're going to see this. I, w- I would say we were going to see this next week, but it may now be the week after that. Uh, we as teachers must be doers. And part of the reason we don't know how to, how to educate in a way that does is we're just not very good at doing. Because most of our education is all intellectual. And we haven't ever thought about how this applies to the Christian life or what I do with it. And so for us, education is all mental acuity and stuff like that. We must do what we know. There can be a temptation, especially in churches, I say churches like us, you know, more, more theologically or, or Bible expositing churches, to think that the Christian life is just about mental knowledge alone. What do you believe? What do you know? And we can think that our, that our spiritual growth is then measured by our theological prowess or aptitude. But knowledge is never meant to be the end goal, but rather the source and director of our obedience. You know, and that knowing directs how you obey. But it's never just about the knowing. And if the what you know is always meant to be done, then you must learn with a mind geared toward obedience. How can I do this? When I'm, when I'm hearing these things and we're saying all that the Lord has spoken, I will do. And we're going, well, how do I do that? Well, that's what you've got to figure out. And that is part of the job of the pastor. I don't know if you know at the end, we always have the uses. The uses are the do's. I'll let you in on that secret. Uh, are, are the taking of that saying, wisely, this is how you can do this. These are ways I can see you do this. Take what you've learned and apply it. Here's ways that you can apply it. I stole it from the Puritans. This the uses idea, steal anything from the Puritans. We've got to think about not just what do I know, but we don't want, we don't want the Christian life to just turn into divine navel gazing, right? We're just always thinking about what we're thinking about. And we've got to do, and the reason we've got to do, and the reason it's important to do, is you can do because Christ has really done You can do because Christ has done. And if you can't do, either what you must be saying is that Christ has not really done what he says he has done because Christ sets us free to do by his work. But you're not just supposed to contemplate what Christ has done. Now go and do. If the goal of Christ was to enable you to be faithful, to, to change your heart and change your life so that if you love him, you obey his commandments. Your job is not just to sit back and bask in the wonder of that glorious thought, but to take that reality and bring that seed to fruit. 
if Christ is real, then what I am hearing and learning I can be doing. Not because I am great, not because I am amazing, but because Christ has set me that free. He has actually enslaved me to righteousness now. In fact, if I am his, not only can I do, if I am his, Christ says, I must do. I could not help myself but do. I am a slave now to righteousness. Why? Because Christ is real. So we must do because Christ has done. That's why it's so essential. You do because God says, you don't just know it, you got to do it. But when you're looking at it and say, how in the world do I do it? They didn't do it. You can do it because of Christ. If he is real, then so can your obedience be real. And the last use, you, when we're training the next generation, we must seek to sharpen them, not just shield them. We must seek to sharpen them, not just shield them. Your job, again, our job is not to trans the next generation into being shields. Because they're not shields. God tells us they're arrows. We don't get to go back and say, no, no, no. They're not arrows or shields. God has given you arrows, so sharpen them. That's your job. Sharpen them. Use his word like a whetstone. Until they are ready to pierce the very heart of the dragon of this world. So that when Satan lies crushed beneath your feet, you're able to pull one of your arrows out of his eye. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to pray as individuals. We made a promise at the beginning. We vowed a vow that the Lord heard that all that He has spoken we will do. As the Lord spoke through His Word, what did you see that you must do? I can mention a few things there in those uses, but there might be other things that the Spirit in His kindness and in His grace taught you even maybe more specifically or more personally. Maybe the obedience that you need to have right now is just a time of confession. Say, God, that I, I haven't been doing. I've, been, I've just been focusing on knowing or, or I haven't been sharpening my kids. I've been turning them into shields and I'm sorry, Lord. I don't, I don't want to take what you give me and say, no, I want it to be something else. Uh, you know, what is it? You need to confess to the Lord. Begin, before we start asking him for things, begin with a time of confession. Where have you not done or where have you just not even known to do? Because you didn't take the time to know it, and you, you certainly not to the do yet. If there's anything that the Lord revealed to you from His Word as we were going through today, confess that. Let's take a time to do that now. Father, we are a weak and wayward people often, and we confess. Confess, Lord, that often, God, we uh, settle for knowing instead of doing. We often seek our intentions for the next generation rather than yours. 
Father, any sin that we've committed either from these texts that we've seen or just in unholy living uh, that has been brought forward to us as we come to worship, Father, we confess that as a people. We confess it uh, the whole time hoping and trusting in the blood of Christ to cover our sins so that you do not consume us with the all-consuming fire of your holiness, Father. And we would certainly do that before we would ever come and ask you anything. And now before we come to a time of prayer, think. What would you ask the Lord to do for you? Ask the Lord right now that you would, you would see your job in, in shaping the next generation. I mean, again, it, it may not be that you have, you, have, you, you have kids in school age or whatever, but we saw that's not what education is about. And here you've got Moses, like a great-great-grandfather to this generation that's coming, and he's teaching them. And our job is to teach the next generation. We've all got a job to teach the next generation that grows up in our church. We're going to see that there's a, there's a more precise and specific job to those in the home, but we all want the next generation to thrive, but we've got to know what to even teach them. Ask the Lord to teach you what education is. Ask Him to to show you how to apply what you know so that you can do it. Knowledge is a, is a seed bed, but it's supposed to bear fruit. What fruit is it supposed to bear? And ask the Lord to sharpen you so that you might sharpen others. Maybe it, it's, it's hard to sharpen when you're blunt. It's hard to sharpen when you're, when you're afraid to be shot into the dark world out there. When you're just trying to be a shield, knowing that, that he made you an arrow, and ask the Lord to sharpen you. And that you would, you would deliver to the next generation a pointed, intentional education. Now, join with me as we go before the throne of the Lord together, please. Father, we come before you as a church body, kneeling before your throne, recognizing that seating, seated next to you at your right hand is the Son who is ever now, even as we speak to you, interceding on our behalf. So we pray, Father, that you would see us in light of his blood that covers us and in light of his words that are interceding for us. We would not dare, Father, to approach you without him. And we would certainly not dare to ask you anything without him. But we ask you in faith and in boldness because we believe that what he has done for us is true. We have faith in that, Father. So we are in fear of you. But it is a fear that is an awe of your glory and holiness. It is a fear driven to faith in you that you have truly made us what we are not on our own. And so, Father, in light of that, we ask you these things, Father. Teach us what we must know to educate the next generation, Lord. Teach us how to even think about teaching. 
and how to even think about education, how we might lead them out so that when we are led to you, they will know where to go. There will be a time that we cannot hold their hand. Help us to lead them out. And Father, teach us that knowledge is meant to be done so that we, in educating the next generation, might teach with that purpose, Father. That we might teach them to do, to obey. Because of our Christ. Because He has truly done in us what would be impossible for us. So so that we who who didn't even seek your, Your Word, who turned away from You, now desire to do it, can do it, and are slaves to doing it. Because the work of your son is that real. So help us to know so that we might do and help us to teach knowledge so that they might obey you. And Father, we ask that you would sharpen us. Sharpen us as we go out into this world to proclaim your kingdom and to push back against the kingdom of darkness. Help us to be sharp so that we might sharpen our children, that we would train them to be what you have made them to be. And that we would have confidence that your kingdom cannot be stopped, that the gates of hell itself shall not stand against it. And we would educate with that goal. Make us appointed people, Father. And help us to sharpen our children. Prepare them for war. Because we know that the enemy is sharpening their children. And if we are not careful, they will sharpen the next generation underneath our very noses. Father, wake us up. Give us that militant mindset that is ready to make war for the next generation as we make war with the next generation. Please, Father, teach us these things and help us to do them. For yours truly is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen.